Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Bell Life Sports. Joining today's episode, Mads Osberg. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BellyUpSports at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you. You've, you've had a storied history in the in rally in general. What, what got you interested in rally? Well, I think, like you say, I've been in, the, in rally for a long, long time. Uh, but really what uh, created the interest was my father because he was uh, also a rally driver in, in Norway on a national level. So ever since I was a kid, he was always competing in the national rallies in the, in the Norwegian Championship. So I would always follow him and obviously look up to him and to what he was doing. And I think that's that's how my interest came. And then, then finally, when I was a bit older, I actually started to co-drive him. So I did actually almost three years as a co-driver for him. Um, and that's how I basically got into the car and started to learn all the things from, from inside the rally car. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know you co-drove until last night. I also didn't know your father was in rally until last night when I was looking up your stuff. And I, I, and I was like, that's probably how I got into, into rallying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was such a big part of my my father my father's life as well. Even though he was a businessman and he was just doing it on the side, it was obviously something that was really exciting to follow. And there was always some some good trips that we had uh, around the country to for him to compete on the rallies, and I was there to follow him. So that's uh, that created a big interest for the sport. Your first WRC event, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was Rally Sweden 2005? Yeah, that uh, no, must have been 2006, I guess. Something like that. But yeah, Something so like how that, did yeah. you get into the WRC? Well, I, like I said, I was my father's co-driver, so that's that's how the interest came. Then obviously... I wanted to to try it out myself as well, so I started to 
to collect money basically um, for my birthdays for every every time there was an opportunity to, to get some money that was all I was asking for so finally after some years I saved up um, money uh, to to buy an old rally car from Sweden so that was actually an Opel Escona and uh, I started to to do this uh, like educational rallies in in Sweden where you can compete from from the age of 16 um and I just straight out of the box I really enjoyed it I loved it actually and I did my first rally uh, and my second rally and I was doing really well uh, straight away I won the rallies that I did and and uh, decided to to get a more let's say competitive car and a car which I could uh, compete on uh, also comparing myself let's say to the to the senior drivers or the the older drivers with normal driving license because um, the Volvos that we have in in Sweden and Norway it's such a big category and that was the car that I wanted so there is a category called Volvo Original, which is basically a original Volvo from, you know, you have the 240 model, the 740, the 940. There is a lot of lot of this big Volvos uh, rear wheel drive, which is so popular to use for rallying in Scandinavia. So that was the car that I, I went for. And I continued with that Volvo to do uh, this uh, this rallies in uh, in Sweden uh, at the age of sixteen and seventeen, and I was just doing really well. I enjoyed it a lot, and I was also even uh, comparing my times against the um, the grown up drivers, the one with driving license, and uh, the ones competing in the Swedish Championship. I was still winning the events, even though I was driving in the in the junior category. So. That was like a really big step uh, for me. Um, and I think, as you said, how did you become or started to drive WRC cars? And that was, you know, I think there was more factors to it. But I think one of the main things was that, you know, Petter Solberg, he was world champion in 2003. And then there was a, a big hype around rally uh, in Scandinavia and especially in Norway, where I'm from. So uh, Subaru in Norway, which was uh, a partner of Petter, uh, was actually having a program where they were looking for new talents to, to follow Petter and trying to find a new or the next uh, world rally champion. So I was um, at that time very dominating in, in my Volvo in different uh, races, also big international races, which I did in, in Sweden. And I was still the fastest guy in the Volvo. So um, I think that combined with Subaru looking for a new uh, talent was uh, was just the perfect timing. So uh, I was actually picked up by, by Subaru Norway as the, the importer. And they already at the age of 17, they bought me a WRC Subaru and gave me a budget to compete in the Norwegian Championship. So that was uh, looking back at it it just sounds completely ridiculous but uh, it was uh, was a nice way of starting off i w- i was wondering how much petter had played into your 
you know, getting into the WRC and such, because obviously having a champion from your home country is something big, uh, especially when it's not Sweden or Finland or France. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That that played a, a big role in it, to be honest. I think what we called in Norway the Solberg effect was basically the, the interest for the sport just massively increased and and also Subaru, which which was obviously the the brand that Petter was working for, they also wanted to do something in Norway to to build on that hype, and they did. They put a big effort into, you know, bringing cars to Norway, helping out young drivers, and I think there was a was a massive effort from uh, Subaru Norway to to find the the next uh, Petter. And uh, I think if you if you're looking at the history of Subaru at the time, uh, there was a lot of the drivers that uh, succeeded internationally, which came through the Subaru system. Even Andreas Mikkelsen came came through that system. I I honestly didn't know that until now that Mikkelsen came through that way. Yeah, no, I mean he he started also very young in a WRC car, but then his whole career came to a halt. And he he was at that point in two thousand and nine, I think it was. He was uh, picked up by Subaru Norway, and they gave him the chance to to drive the Subaru in um, in Norway. So that really helped him back on, let's say, his feet again. It's it's always nice when a manufacturer, especially one with as big of a history as Subaru, does the yeah. little things for to help grow the sport, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Subaru. I I think everyone looks at Subaru as a rally brand, and of course, that's very much thanks to to Colin McRae. But uh, Subaru is a it's a rally car just out of the factory, and then um, they have continued to play on that. Unfortunately, not for the last fifteen years, but uh, before that, at least they did, and I think in America they are still doing that. And I, I hope to see Subaru back in in rally at some point. I know there have been rumors about it, but I hope to see that because it, it just for the nostalgia of it all, but also another manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know I know that there was some talks about that. I would say three or four years ago, I think just before COVID. Uh, they were actually starting to attend the FIA meetings again and was doing some research about the future of the championship. But I think all of that stopped with with COVID, unfortunately, and I don't think it has picked up uh, after that. Yeah, COVID changed a lot. And it was it was unfortunate, and I know it affected you a bit too uh, with your career, probably. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean that the COVID had a big effect on on everything. I think not only our sport but the whole world. But uh, of course, the, there was some impact to the to the sport as well uh, at that time. So um, I think that's obviously the, it could have looked a bit different if if that didn't happen. But um, let's hope that uh, now when everything is over and uh, things are getting back on the feet, that we can see more manufacturers again you've primarily drove citroens in your career you drove a ds3 for some years and then 
you went to uh, Ford and then you went back to Citroen's to end out your WRC career. How, how did that partnership start? Well, I like you say, I, I've been with Citroen. It's, it's the brand that I've been with the most, let's say. And I have a very close relationship with them. But it obviously started with the Subarus. I did the four, four first year of my career in the Subaru. Then I did uh, three years in the in the Ford, and then uh, um, then it was the Citroen. I had a, a small jump back into the Ford in sixteen and seventeen, but um, but um, I would say that most of my professional career I have used with with Citroen. So that was that started in end of two thousand and thirteen. Uh, obviously, negotiating for. Uh, for a factory drive for 2014 and um, that was how the conversation started uh, but I've remained such a good relationship with uh, with Citroen ever since and uh, even when I stopped with them at the end of 2015 it felt very nice to be back with them for 2018 in the in the C3 WRC so yeah and I've stayed with them ever since that. So it's a it's a very very long term relationship, and uh, it's still a partnership that I really enjoy, and um, that feels a lot like home to me. Out of the two, out of I guess three Citroens you've drove, what what has been your favorite one to drive? Well, I think they've all been been good in different ways. I think the time when I got into the the DS3 WRC car that was a very good car at the time as well um, it had a really a certain character to it a very neutral car which was designed around Sebastian Loeb so I would say there was a lot of Sebastian Loeb in the car when when I came to the car and I sort of had to restart my driving a bit because I had my own driving style and it took a bit of change to to get used to the Citroen, which was such a neutral car. You couldn't throw it around and be very brutal with it. You had to be more smooth in the driving style, driving more on understair than oversteer. And uh, there was a new way for me to drive, but I felt I was able to do that change to my driving style. And um, actually quite quickly, I felt really comfortable in the car. Uh, then after driving that car for a couple of years, I was back to the Fiesta, which is, I would say, a bit bit more playful car. Uh, you can you can throw it around, you can drive it a bit more sideways than the Citroen, and it's just uh, yeah, a different character of that car than than the DS3. Uh, but then obviously we had the new regulation with the big wings, the big aerodynamic, and I did the air in the in the Fiesta uh, 2017 WRC, uh, which was a, was a good car. It was easy to drive, but was was complicated to get it working well on the first year. Uh, then I returned to Citroen in 2018 uh, with a C3 WRC car, which was, um, I, I love that car. It reminded me again about the DS3, a bit more neutral, uh, but so powerful, uh, so nice to drive with all the big aerodynamics, which uh, which obviously was very different to what I'd be
been used to from from the future or from the from the past sorry but uh, um but once you get used to the aerodynamic it's uh, it's amazing to drive those cars uh, at such high speed I, I did this funny thing last night where I, I forgot what your voice sounded like and I didn't want to come in here and just be completely in shell shock from hearing your yeah. voice again. <laughs> so I, I watched this lovely video of you taking a, a tour around a uh, R5C3. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, it was good. It was great. Yeah, that's. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so obviously the... The C3R5 was the project I started after uh, 2018. Um, I was doing one year of development of the C3, which was out of the box. It was a very difficult car. They couldn't get it to work. They couldn't make it competitive, and it didn't do really well in, in the WRC2 championship. So I, I was offered by Citroën to let's say lead the development of the car um together with the development team from the Citroen factory so that was i would say the first year was was quite hard there was a lot of work to develop the car to change and we changed uh, quite radically a lot of things on the car like geometry new subframes um yeah new suspension we did a lot of development on the car and finally towards the end of the year we we found some really good steps with the car so in 2020 it was uh was a very good year with with that car uh, the car was highly competitive and and we felt we had done a, a very good job with um with the car so that was um also a nice part of my career, I would say. Uh, also, I won the, the WRC2 championship and became world champion, which obviously was, was also uh, something nice and uh, one of my dreams. So, yeah, there, was, uh, there has been positive years with the, with the C3 Rally 2 cars uh, as well. And that's still the car that I'm, I've been driving up until now. And this past season, the Citroen RC3 is the only other car to win a WRC2 event other than the Skodas. Yeah. yeah Which it is, is so... it, it, it's it, interesting. Yeah. I mean, this, that field is, is very, very hard. You have so many strong uh, factories and strong cars and drivers and... I find that very interesting, you know, with the, with the Skoda, with the Volkswagen, with the Hyundai, uh, with the Citroen, um, there is, and the Fiesta as well. So, and now also Toyota is coming with the Rally Two car. So the field is is really strong. You have you know five six cars uh, competing on on this level, uh, with the with the factories being very involved in getting the cars really competitive. So. I think Citroen has done a good job and they are continuing to develop the car and they will continue to develop the car also next year. So it's, um, it's a good car. I think there has been a lot of good effort uh, being done on development side and keeping the car competitive and uh, they are still succeeding with that. So I, I, I seen somebody ask this the other day, um, not to you directly, but in, in, in some place um 
when after the 2024 lineup was announced for Citroen in WRC2, I saw yeah. somebody mention your name. Do you have like? Do you still intend on competing in WRC in the future if that opportunity arose, or are you kind of at the point where you kind of just want to compete in other things, in other championships? Well, I'm I'm actually, and I have been for a, for a couple of years. Um, I have decided that I will not try to be in WRC two or WRC. I will focus on other things, and um, I have achieved what I want to do in in WRC and WRC two. So I'm not really looking for it, and I've taken a. Uh, the choice to not try and do it either. So there is always some opportunities coming up, but um, I, I'm trying, I would say together with my co-driver, we are talking together and we are discussing what we enjoy about rallying. And I would say that we are, we are not looking for WRC two at the moment or WRC. We are trying to do other stuff, which we found find nice and interesting and uh, we are looking for other type of adventures so i i have been pretty clear when i've been asked that question for a couple of years now that i'm i'm not really trying to to compete in wrc i noticed something on a wrc entry list to rally chile bobo that your name yeah. was on it yeah for, i was actually supposed to do that rally so um and that's, I mean, that could happen in the future as well, that I do like single events, but I will not do the full championship. But the, the intention and the plan was to do Rally Chile. So um, I've, I've done quite a few national events in Chile over the last couple of years. And I've enjoyed it a lot. I have some good partners in Chile, which is always supporting me and helping me. And we together decided that we would try and do the WRC rally. So that was the intention but uh, finally the logistics side of it it didn't work out uh, and I would say up until two weeks before the rally we were planning to go uh, but kind of last minute we were missing I had to use a local car and we had to update that car to be competitive in WRC2 which which was important to me uh, that the car was not any older spec or not in the in the right shape. So there was a local car uh, from uh, the Heller family, which I was supposed to use, but um, we couldn't get the car in the in the shape uh, that we wanted. Uh, also in terms of spare parts, so the risk of doing the rally would have been far too big, and we decided finally that uh, we would not compete if it was not under the right circumstances so that's why we actually withdraw from the rally again about two weeks before it yeah i was because i was surprised to look on the entry list to see your name on it and then when you didn't go i was, I was a little bit disappointed but i was like you probably had a good reason i doubt you would have just pulled out just to pull out for fun. no 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 yeah i mean i was really motivated to do that rally and um and suited well in the calendar and i knew the rally quite well also because i i've done three rallies in in chile over the last couple of years and they've all been on the stages of the wrc so 
I felt it was a nice time to go there. I would know the rally quite well if I was in a competitive car. I I was, uh, you know, motivated to do what it takes to to win the rally, and that was my target. But uh, once things didn't go as planned, let's say, I didn't just want to be there to be there. I wanted to be there to be competitive, and we didn't have that opportunity. So then, uh, the best best thing to do was not to do it. Yeah, which is always fair, and you know, when you go out there and you can't be at the point where you want to be, there's really not a whole lot of point in doing it. And I, nope, and I nope, hate nope. saying that, but it's if you're not going to have fun and enjoy it and be where you want to be, why do it? Yeah, no, that was my philosophy as well. And, you know, if I go and do a WRC rally, I wouldn't be able to do it just to be there. I would have to be competitive to enjoy it. And, um, yeah, I think if, if we do some national rallies somewhere or we go to some rallies with lower profile, we can do it to enjoy it. And we can, we don't necessarily have to be in the, in the latest, latest spec. But, um, if you go to the, the world championship, there is, there is no other options. You have to, to have everything because you, you cannot win a rally on that level. Uh, without having all the bits and pieces ready to to be on the highest level. Is Chile 2024 something you're looking towards or are you looking that yeah, far it, ahead yet? Yeah, it could be. I mean, for next year, nothing really is planned at the moment. Uh, I have some rally coming up early in the season uh, with Rally Qatar and Rally Mexico probably. And that's basically all I have planned for the moment. I'm, I'm, yeah, let's say at the moment, just working on single rallies that I want to do. And Qatar and Mexico is two of them. And uh, I have also a dream to do the 100 acre wood rally in America. So it seems, I would say, very likely that I will come and do that. And um, then I'm, I'm obviously trying to, to make a deal to do a full championship as well, probably in ERC or something similar to that. So that's that's what I'm planning at the moment. But I think I take it all very steady. I'm not stressing anything at the moment. I've just started my Christmas holiday, so it's been flat out until uh, until now. So uh, there is some time to relax and think and uh, rebuild the motivation for next year and. I won't make any rush uh, decisions at this at this time. Yeah, l- last year I know you did ERC for I think more ERC events than normal for the first time in your career, and yeah. you're with MRF for the starting events, and then by the end of the season, I think it was Hungary, if I'm mm. not mistaken. I'm trying to yeah. remember. Um, no, that's. Were... that's you were you weren't with MRF anymore. So what kind of happened there? If you want to go into detail of that. Oh, that was uh, you know, we intended intended to do the the full ERC championship last year, uh, but for for more than one reason, I would say we didn't compete the full championship, and um, we had we had some issue issues on the on the contract with with MRF. 
and um, yeah, we didn't come to an agreement. I think I was not the only driver. There was a lot of drivers during the season which had similar issues and um, and pulled out completely. And it's probably what I would have done as well. But uh, Citroen Hungary um, is a big uh, partner for me. And that was, let's say, almost like a home rally to them and to the team. Uh, the Citroen team is also based in Hungary. So uh, there was not an option not to do the rally. And um, yeah, the team made an effort together with uh, Pirelli uh, to, to actually still be able to compete in the rally. Uh, so that was all, let's say, almost like a last minute thing where things didn't go so nice with MRF and uh, at one point we discussed about pulling out of the rally because they were not willing to to follow the contract anymore and um, the next day we managed to to find a, another very good solution for that rally and uh, we were able to compete there with Pirelli so that was uh, that was good news let's say and also the rally went really well so there was a uh, was a good way of ending the season and uh, yeah but it was unfortunate with MRF I think it didn't have to be that way but uh, in our sport uh, it can be quite cruel sometimes and uh, then we just have to to look for solutions you've won a WRC event I believe it was 2014 rally Portugal 2012 actually oh so yeah. I was later than earlier. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's new. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so you won one rally throughout your career at the WRC level, obviously. You won more at WRC2 level and international competition. Um, yeah. But what was that WRC win like for you? No, I mean, WRC is always special. And I think you know to be able to fight on the top level in wrc uh, was was always like a huge dream to me uh but i think at that point was so early in my career that i i didn't appreciate uh, the results as i started to do uh, later in the, in my wrc time let's say um but of course that was huge that was uh, something really special to to achieve but uh, I think I think um, you know some of the results I had later uh, was was more important and meant more to me uh, because at that time I understood that I wouldn't be in the game forever um, but of course uh, a win in WRC is always something special it would will always be there with me and uh, but I, I would say I'm as proud and have similar type of feelings also to the um, to the podiums I've had in WRC which is quite uh, quite many as well um, so I know you kind of mentioned this uh, a bit ago but what's your yeah. dream rally to do Oof. that's a uh... That's a really hard one to to give a good answer to, to be honest. But you know, I I I love Rally Finland. 
And I think always I would have to put that as my number one, but I've done it many times. I've done it like 12, 14 times, something like that. So uh, there is other rallies, which I obviously dream about doing as well. And, um, and, um, but that's more, I would say for the adventure of it rather than, knowing that it's a dream event so i would say at the moment the number one event that i've done is is rally finland i've done it many times and and i just love it every time but uh, i do i do enjoy to to travel around and do different type of rallies and um, i would say that's a bit of the things i'm doing right now i'm i still feel competitive and like i can go most places in the world and be very strong and fight for wins and that's that's what i'm doing now so i'm sort of trying to find the the dream event and my favorite event but uh, there is a lot of nice ones around the globe and and every event's different too wherever you go you don't go to you know every different country and you find similar events you find or same events you find different events in each country yeah yeah that's for sure there is uh many different type of events and like like i told you a bit earlier I, like next year i'm i'm starting off in qatar which is you know it's a desert rally you you're you're there is no forest there is not really even a road you are navigating through the through the sand uh, which is also such a special and nice way of competing in a rally car and then then I have uh, Rally Mexico, which which again is something completely different with the high altitude, with the, you know, um, everything is different. You have the mountains, the surface is different. Then you, then we, I hope to do 100 Acre Wood, which again is, it will be a new experience for me, new type of rally, new type of surface, a new country to compete in. So um, I do search for these rallies which is different than what i'm used to and um that's why what, what i really love about my sport you are not traveling around to different circuits you are you're actually driving through the forests in in different type of uh, countries yeah and 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 i've said this before and i'll say it time and time again you can go to the same event a dozen times you will never have the same experience at an event it's always no, different. It is because there is so many factors. Uh, you know, on every rally, they are changing the stages a bit. You know, the the weather it's is always playing a big role. Um, so yeah, I would say I would agree with you that you can go to the same event so many times, but you will have a different experience, and that's what I love about my sport that uh, you can never really get used to it because it's changing all the time yeah and it, it, it keeps people on their feet it doesn't let people get too comfortable unless your name's Sebastian or from France <laughs> yeah yeah that's correct that's really correct here's to hoping we don't have another Sebastian from France scenario with a guy from just a guy named Callie from Finland yeah I think we are coming into a similar scenario but he has uh, he has chosen to give someone else an opportunity at least for next year and then i think when when he is back full time i think he will dominate the sport for a long time yeah and the terrifying part is he's young and he's still getting better yeah 
that is the part that scares me the most. Like he's already beating guys by a lot of seconds, by dozens of seconds, even minutes and yeah. seconds. And then he's still young. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible to be honest. What he's doing and what he what he's able to to pull off already at this age, and he's doing it with with such confidence as well. So. Um, yeah, I think you know his confidence level is is also shown in the decision he has just made now, where he's stepping back a bit for next year, just doing a few rallies, and um, yeah, he, he knows that he he can come back and and still win, so he's not afraid to to take a holiday, which is uh, I think something we have never seen uh, before. I mean, the, la- the last reigning champion who went even part-time was Sebastian Ogier. Yeah. But that was because he was aging out, not because he was, you know, 24 years old and just wanting a break. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's something new. But uh, I'm... I'm happy to see that, uh, you know, he is able to, to take this kind of uh, decisions. You were teammates with Sebastian Love. You were teammates with a lot of incredible talent um, throughout your run with Citroen because I've said this, if you're going to be a world champion, drive for Citroen at some point in your career, unless you're Calgary <laughs> yeah. Opera for some reason. Yeah. But um, what what was it like being uh, Love's teammate? Yeah, I mean, at the time, we're all focusing on on what we're doing and trying to to achieve the best for ourselves but also for the team but it was it was impossible not to be starstruck on all the events at least you know uh i found it crazy to to be in the same team as him uh to be there on the same engineering meetings on the team briefings and he obviously he didn't do a full season he was there for just some some rallies but it was always a nice experience also trying to learn from him but uh, obviously when we had the team meetings he was communicating in french with the uh, with the team and uh, uh chris was also chris meek was also my teammate at the time and we obviously did most of what we did in in english so uh not everything we really understood but what I learned from him was obviously the the focus on the details and also to focus on the right things, let's say, because he there were so many things within the rally that he didn't care about at all, which maybe I would put more effort into, but he could he could really show that you know you don't need to know all these things. You don't need to be prepared on those things. You if you focus more and harder on something else you can actually be better and i think that's that was some of the things you could pick up from him because like some things he didn't care about at all uh, which i found really strange but uh, that was something interesting to see and you know he was uh, he was such a nice guy he um, he was uh, a friendly person and uh, and so so competitive so it was uh, always incredible to to be there with him um i i i mentioned before your dream rally 
What's your dream rally car to drive if you have one? Yeah, well, I think I think you know the 2018 Citroen C3 WRC was at least is the most incredible car I've driven. Um, but obviously now there are newer and faster ca- faster cars out there with a hybrid and and so on. So it would, would always be nice to to try some other cars, but at least from what I've been driving myself, I think the C3 WRC uh, was was the most incredible car I've ever driven. Uh, it was blindingly fast, so powerful uh, with all the aerodynamics. Uh, I would say, especially on gravel, the car was uh, amazing. So that's uh, that's I would say that was the biggest dream that I've achieved and then you have the dream of driving other cars of course and I think it's always like that when you see a car that's dominating uh, like the Toyota is doing these days you always want to try it and see what it's all about but so if if there is a dream car I want to try it would always be the newest and the fastest but uh, um, if I also look a bit back in time I always had the dream of driving the, the Group B Audi the S1 and I had that opportunity actually in 2000 and I think it was 2019 where, when I was invited to a test with a, with one of these cars and I was able to drive it on um, on the ice on winter. And that was, of course, one of the greatest experience I, I ever had in a, in a race car because driving that car, which you have seen so many times on, on TV, on YouTube and just the sound of it and the look of it it's uh, it's the it's the king of rally cars and to drive it was uh, was a big dream come true I, and i also know you mentioned the the rally in the 100 acre wood twice yeah. now what's your interest in racing that event specifically i think you know i i don't know a lot about rallying in america so i uh, the only almost the only experience i have from America was that I I knew Ken Block really well and I obviously followed him on social media and I also was his teammate for some time so um, he always spoke nicely about his rallies in America and I would say specifically about 100 Acre Wood uh, which he said was his favorite rally so I think the interest came from that then I've obviously paid attention to the American championship and had a growing interest, I would say, to to do it. So I think it's just a part of my adventure plan that I want to travel the world a bit and do different type of rallies. And this is one rally which I really dream about doing. So I want to see if I'm able to do it. It's a fun event. It's a fast event. Uh, and Ken, Ken absolutely love that event. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he did. I know he did. So there must be a reason for that. I, I think he loved it because A, he won it so many times and B, it yeah. was just fun to do. Yeah, exactly. So I can understand that when you win a rally many times, it gets one of your favorites because you carry so many good memories from it. But um, also looking at onboards and videos from the rally, it looks like a super rally. I, I had mentioned in the pre-show that I wanted to talk to you about uh, Andreas Mikkelsen's news from yesterday. 
What, yep. what are your thoughts on uh, that? Because I know you used to be teammates with them. You're obviously from the same country. Uh, so what's your thoughts on having a Norwegian in the top level of rally again? I think that's that's really great news, to be honest. Uh, you know, as Andreas has kept fighting there in the, um, in the the business for a long time and trying to to um, fight himself in a position to be back in WRC, and he's all obviously very motivated to do it. So, I think it's it's great to see that he has achieved that and. Uh, and um, he has had two quite incredible years in WRC too. And uh, I knew that he had a big dream of coming back in the WRC car. So this is a great opportunity for him. And um, I think, you know, he has the experience. He has the speed to be successful there. So I'm uh, looking forward to with excitement to follow him on, on Monte Carlo again in, in WRC. And I think it's great for the the sport in Norway as well that we we again have a a driver in WRC. Yeah, and and that was kind of my thought too yesterday when I heard that, even though I already knew about it beforehand. But it, it's always nice to have more countries represented at the top level instead of just having, you know, mostly Finland and France represented, and then just a couple sprinkled in other countries, because yeah. then it encourages rally in new countries. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And also, you know, the, the effect of having a driver in WRC is always good for um, for national level drivers because people are paying attention to it. People are following it in media and the interest grows, which makes it easier to find sponsors as well. So the the result of having a, a high profile driver like that will always be there and um, hopefully that will spread to our country and and help new young drivers to to reach their goals hopefully it it inspires the next maz osberg yeah (laughs) you know from from you getting a drive from petter solberg effectively to andreas mickelson helping someone get a drive hopefully (laughs) yeah that's i mean that's what we need to hope uh, that that you know, I think our sport in our country is is quite strong. The interest is quite high, and we have had you know drivers in WRC since '99 with Petter Solberg, and and ever since that we had it up until 2019 with uh, myself and uh, Andreas. So, um, and then me and Andreas have won the WRC two championship also. So we have always had profile drivers from our country on on the highest level and competing on very high level in, in the world championship. So yeah, this is, is great to see again. And like I said, it's always nice to see countries represented at the top level. I mean, it's nice to see guys even like from countries you wouldn't expect, like Estonia with Oikanak or Belgium with Pierre Nouvelle. It's yeah. Always here, even Japan with Takamoto Katsuka. It's, you know, it's those unexpected markets that you don't expect to see, but it always ends up doing well and it yeah. works. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I completely agree with you. So when you were co driving for your father, and this takes us back to the start of this pretty much. 
What was your favorite moment with the, with that? Because I know that was probably a good heartfelt moment for you, co-driving for your father. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was. Uh, to be honest, it was never something that I was thinking would be possible uh, when I was younger. I don't know why, but it was never in my mind that I would be a co-driver. Uh, but. You know, uh, when the opportunity came and I was able to to join him uh, for some rallies, that was obviously really special. It was also a good good time, you know, uh, traveling around together with my father doing Norwegian Championship and other rallies in at least in Scandinavia. So it was a good time, and I learned a lot from it. So. Um, that was uh, was really special. There is no no doubt, and also it really grew my interest to become a driver. So once I've uh, I'd been co-driver for my father for a while, I obviously was pushing him to let me drive the car on tests and things like that. And we we started quite early on competing against each other on uh, on tests in the in the car. So it was a it was a good time uh, to. When I was 15, 16, I was able to to test his car on on uh, on the testing before rallies. It was an incredible feeling all the time to to be able to do that. And that was also a Seward WRC car, correct? That was also with the WRC car, yes. So was it similar to the one that you first got your drive with uh, from Seward, Norway? Yeah, actually, the the car that I got from Subaru Norway was uh, was a newer one. So he had a two thousand and one uh, Subaru WRC, um, and I had a two thousand and three model. So uh, actually, already when I was eighteen, I was lucky enough to have a newer car than him. Yeah, and it isn't. I believe that's the same model car Petter won in. Yeah, well, Petter won in the 2003. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. thought so. But I know there's like this weird thing where sometimes drivers will use like 2002 models and still do well in the year after or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, this was 2006 when, when I started. So the car was already, let's say, three years old. But it was definitely on on a national level in norway it was still uh, you know one of the newest and most competitive cars yeah competitiveness doesn't really go away with age for the most part at national rallies i mean unless you're showing up to say nationally even in a car that was competitive in the 1960s yeah yeah i mean even still you can drive a car really old i actually did a, like a classic rally in when was it in 2018 or 19 i did a rally in new zealand with a classic uh, ford escort mark ii and that was a original car and still you know 40 or 30 years later or whatever it is uh, it's it's still a proper rally car where you can compete uh, <clears throat> with the modern two-wheel drive cars on the, and still be able to beat them and those cars were crafted good. I mean, those, they didn't break for anything pretty much. No, they were incredible cars. And uh, they were, you know, still, when I did that rally, it was still an incredible car. 
So that was uh, very special to drive this type of car uh, in a original shape and still be able to, you know, do well. So do you have interest in doing more classic rallies or are you more into the, I guess, modern stuff? Well, I, I do enjoy the classic rallies as well, no doubt. Uh, um, so it's just a bit harder to do, I think, because, you know, you don't have the, at least at this this point of my career, I I need to have support by a manufacturer or a team and uh it's not so not so easy to to find in the in the classic cars but uh i do have big interest to do classic rally as well i i love to compete in this uh, this old type of cars yeah and and i think classic rallies are really good for the sport as well to keep history alive so that you know a new generation is to forget and you know the cars before group b cars or what have you yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing to see these cars, and I think so many of the rally fans they they started to follow rallies, you know, from the eighties, and even I would say young guys uh, starting to follow rallies now. They are still looking back at videos of the Group B cars, the old escorts, and and all of that because it was a such a entertaining era of our sport and. Uh, I think, you know, uh, it's a similar way of seeing, you know, old star drivers. When you see old old star cars, you you like to, you feel, you know, there is a lot of emotions around it. And uh, you can see that on some of the rallies that they do in, in Europe, for example, with the with the with the classic car, the the interest is is incredible on a similar level to uh, to WRC events. Yeah, and it, it's nice to see. And I think the biggest downfall with with the way the sport is is getting the attention of younger younger fans because of just how drawn out it is. Yeah, but I think regardless, having that sort of stuff around to keep history alive. Yeah. For as long as we can, you know, until the cars eventually break down or stop working or stop being yeah. original. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's good I'm, for the sport. I'm hoping that will not happen. But uh, I, I, I think people are really good to take care of the cars. And obviously, at one point, they will run out of chassis and all these kind of things. But with the modern technology, you can you can keep these cars running for a, for a long time. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, they've some of them have survived about fifty years already. So yeah, yeah, they I, have. It's quite incredible, and they still look like they're like fresh off the floor sometimes. And it's like you you sit there and wonder, like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm thinking we're near the end point. Uh, so do you want to end us off with a story from some point in your career? Oh, there are so many stories. Most of them, it's is not a. I'm not, I'm not telling because <laughs> they are <laughs> too good. But uh, you know, I don't know if there is a specific story which is. Uh, we have been talking through so many nice things, so I don't know if there is any specific stories that uh, I can tell to to top that. <laughs> <laughs> 